Welcome back to the 10 Tabs Open Podcast. This is Alex Howell, and today on episode 11, we interviewed Elena Howard, who is an amazing young woman who currently works uh, for the nonprofit, the Halo Foundation. And if you want to go visit their website, it's haloworldwide.org. And Elena is their Kansas City program facilitator, working uh, a lot with the, uh, the Learning Center here in town. But uh, Halo is a worldwide organization. They have done things internationally, uh, obviously, because that's worldwide. And then they're also located, their headquarters is in Kansas City, but they're in Jeff City, Portland, New York, all kinds of places. And as you listen to the organization, I think the number one thing that you'll, you'll appreciate, at least I did, was that their organization really focuses on uh, giving young people the ability to feel more empowered. A lot of times they'll see someone that has come from a, uh, we'll say, just a, a not-so-great home environment. And I can only imagine what that must feel like for somebody to come in and kind of be in, in that place in their life. And somebody like Elena basically really is there to help them to feel empowered, to help them kind of get a, a family that maybe they don't have right now. And it's uh, it, it's a very good interview. She's a very eloquent speaker. She graduated with honors from Park University in uh, Parkville, Missouri, which is right next to, uh, to Kansas City, and has traveled the world and done all kinds of things. So she's, uh, she's a great person, an amazing interview, and I know you all are going are gonna to love it. So enjoy. Awesome. All right. There we go. Okay, we're good. Yeah, as long as I can see the, the little bit of space on that and I've got the two lines, we should be good to go. Awesome. So, Elena Howard from the Halo Foundation. What is your title there? My title is Program Facilitator. Awesome. And what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that means, well, backstory first. Yep. So, the Program Facilitator runs the Kansas City programming that goes out of the learning center okay so we have a lot of different programs worldwide oh should i lean closer no you're good okay i'm gonna start that again <laughs> um you're fine i was adjusting my settings because i was having a little trouble but you're good um but we offer a lot of different sorts of programming but in kansas city right now we just have the learning center okay and so the program facilitator for that really worries about um I'm sorry. I'm You're fine. <laughs> this is, it's all good. It's just a little different. Oh, but, it's all good. <laughs> um, the program facilitator mostly just does the scheduling for that, mm -hmm. but there's a lot more that goes into it. So it's gotcha. making sure we have meals at all our programming, mm -hmm. um, actually scheduling the different workshops that we do, um, bringing in specialists who can teach our kids a new skill and that sort of thing, um, yep. and then finding volunteers who can help us make sure everything's running smoothly, Gotcha. as well as interacting with new groups to bring in new partners mm -hmm. who can then bring in more kiddos nice. so we can reach more people perfect you'll get used to it it's okay <laughs> <laughs> so basically what it sounds like is you're you're almost the operations director like it sounds like you're kind of in charge of getting every single like it's scheduling to me is always one of those things like i think people think of it like when you watch the office and dwight scheduling saturdays who gets to work weekends right 
but that's I mean your job is comp- much much more complicated than that it's it's mm-hmm. making sure not only that somebody is scheduled to be there but that kids are there that the product is there. I mean not product right. but food like everything is in that moment which to me sounds like enjoy being in operations <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I mean it sort of is um but specifically for the learning center that's yep. just like one part of the overarching halo umbrella gotcha. but yeah um pretty well I just make sure everything within the learning center is running smoothly perfect yeah and so the halo foundation when i was looking at the website i keep trying to think of a, di- a different word to describe it but i uh, the first time i logged on to it when i was uh, researching to see um to have you come on uh i looked at it and i was like i have this is a very broad definition of an organization it really seemed like it was we're here to do good things, and it kind of listed a few different areas, but for the most part, it was helping kids. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't find specifics, but correct me if I'm wrong, that seems to kind of be the point of it. It's almost a, it, it fills the gaps of a lot of organizations. I mean, one of the paragraphs that I read on there, and I can't remember if it was the comment from the founder or if it was on the About Us page, but it was, we try to make organizations that are trying to do the right thing talk to each other. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a big part of it. So your founder sounds like she kind of, had an experience when she was in college, it drove her to do this. Mm-hmm. And is that kind of the, the inspiration why you got to be a part of it? Or what was what was your side? Um, so my side of it, well, I attended Park University mm-hmm. and part of a requirement for um, the honors program there was service learning. Mm-hmm. And so I had originally gone to school to be um, an English teacher. It gotcha. was kind of just what I picked. Yeah. Um, and for the service learning, we had to do something that had to do with our major. And mm-hmm. so just between research and recommendations from Park, I found Halo mm-hmm. um, and started working there as a volunteer. Gotcha. And eventually, I mean, I fell in love as soon as I walked in. Yeah. And so I moved into the role of volunteer instructor. So I had two different workshops that I was running every week and that sort of oh thing. Wow. So I was doing like the lesson planning and all of that for that. Um, and then I never really met the CEO. I kind of stepped back for a while whenever mm-hmm. college started to pick up and get busier. Yeah. Um, but I still was connected with a lot of the people that I knew from there. Gotcha. And so back in February, when I saw that they had a job opening, I was like, I'm probably not even qualified for this, <laughs> but let's just see because it was really, I really loved it. It was kind of what I wanted to do after college anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to get involved and now I essentially am managing what I was doing before. Nice. Um, but if I was going to describe like Halo as an organization mm-hmm. and what our goal is, um, I think fill the gap is a really good way to put it because mm-hmm. that is, except it's less about pulling pulling partners mm-hmm. together necessarily and more about filling in the gaps for individual kids. Okay. So thinking about the fundamental things that you learn from your family, right? Mm-hmm. Or the resources that you can get from a family, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're going to college, but you're still able to live at home, that's a huge step above having to be in school and also paying rent, right? right? Yep. So just trying to help fill in the gaps that kids are left with whenever they don't have that solid family foundation. Mm-hmm. Like Halo works to be that foundation. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, that's one of those things like it takes a lot to describe mm-hmm. that model online and then you have somebody sitting in front of you and it's like okay here's an example this is what we do Mm -hmm. like the college example that's amazing Mm -hmm. and so how do you do the kids find you do you find the kids do you get connected with them through different organizations so before i came on there were two shelters that we were working with okay um, and we've had those partnerships for nine or ten years at this point with um restart and with salvation army okay um and 
when I came on, I started connecting with people who have been reaching out to the organization mm -hmm. and wanting to use our resources, but we haven't really had the staffing to do that yet. Right. So part of my role this summer has been um, reaching out to new shelters, going on tours, kind of figuring out what they're all about, and yep. then, again, filling in the gaps as best we can. Gotcha. So we have um, one new group that we're working with now that's a domestic violence shelter, mm -hmm. um, and they have a lot of resources. Like the kids who come there are coming in um, with a parent as they're escaping a bad situation, mm -hmm. um, and they are given, they are provided with food, a place to stay, that sort of thing, counseling that they need and can pretty well stay as long as they want, as long as they're following the rules. Um, yeah. And this group to help meet the kids' needs properly also has their own school under their roof. Gotcha. But since it's summertime, they don't have a lot for the kids to do that's fun. Yeah. You know, like they've got their school and they've got like a summer camp that they call it going on, but they mm. don't have much more to do with the kids. Gotcha. Um, so we have been coming in every couple of weeks to do an art workshop just for something that's new and fun for the kids to do new nice. people for them to interact with that yeah. sort of thing right so it's about assessing what an organization needs and what their kids are needing mm -hmm. and filling that in the best way that we can nice well i assume in that situation too not only are you giving them like not only is it a a help for somebody that either you know is um maybe a, an orphan child or something like that but you're also providing them good examples too because they probably mm -hmm. didn't come with a great example on one side at least right yeah. i would say that that Part of our art workshops, we actually call them our art and life skill workshops because gotcha. we try to base them um, per month around different kinds of life skills. Nice. So for the month of July, it's respect. So throughout the workshop, we are practicing respect. Gotcha. So instead of grabbing something whenever you need it, you're asking someone, please may I borrow that? Right. And saying thank you and that sort of thing. So just yeah. focusing, choosing one skill like that to focus on for the whole month nice. and ensuring that at least while I'm with the kids, they're able to practice it Yeah. in case that's something that hasn't come up until now. Nice. Yeah. I, is that is the art workshop the uh, the thing I saw online where your your sister had come in and was painting faces or something so like that? So that was a little bit different. Okay. Um, <laughs> that one was for we call that our I Defy the Odds photo shoot. Gotcha. Um, and that one we brought in some girls that we have met through like met through shelters in the past. Yeah. Like they've come in with one of our partners, and then part of our goal is to maintain contact with the kids. Mm -hmm. So this was a group of young ladies that we've maintained maintained contact with. Gotcha. And they came in, um, and for some of them, it's their very first time, but they got <laughs> to get their makeup done professionally, their hair done professionally, nice. and then, like, a professional photo shoot, too. That's um, awesome. Really just focusing on empowerment yeah. and also giving them that experience because a lot of girls do get that for their senior pictures or something, you know, right. like they have that experience, but if you've never had that, it can be a really fun and confidence boosting thing to experience for the first time. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, in that particular situation and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, these were a lot of them were younger girls mm -hmm. and they have you and your sister who you're obviously a college graduate. Is your sister's in college now? She just graduated high school. Just graduated so high school. Okay. So she's on her way, but I mean, you're, you're in that age where you're not coming to somebody and you're, you know, so much older that they look at you as a, an authority figure mm -hmm. as much as this is somebody that I really look up to. This is somebody I can look to and say, like, they're they're doing the right thing. They're helping me and it's fun to hang out with them. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about that with my brother. He my brother is technically my half brother. We're separated by 10 and 10 or 11 years, depending mm -hmm. on the time of year. Um, and that was always like his role for me was he was just old enough to not be like parent age, mm -hmm. but he was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I would say is part of our goal in interactions with the kids, too. Mm -hmm. So first of all, like our dress, we always try to be dressed in um, mostly business casual attire mm -hmm. so that the kids have a good example of that. Nice. Right? Um, just little things like that. Yeah. 
Um, I'm sorry. You're I good. had a different direction I was going with that. It's okay. That's the whole point <laughs> of this thing. But, yeah. Um, oh, and that was also part of what made me like Halo so much whenever I started as a volunteer mm-hmm. was that um, in situations where you are officially a teacher or officially their caseworker or something like that, yeah. you are still an authority figure. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these kids, especially ones that are coming from marginalized communities, they mm-hmm. haven't had the best experiences with authority figures. Right. So being able to be someone who is just there to be nice, make sure they're having a good time, and then also being like kind and professional and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. that's modeling those good behaviors, that's showing them that there are people they can trust. And yeah. it's giving them someone who, if they develop that trust, they might be more willing to come to me to talk about a problem than they would with the other adults in their life. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. It's That's cool. great. I would never fit in that role. That would be, it'd be <laughs> awful. I'd be like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> but so in Kansas city, you know, with, with the halo, uh, foundation foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. With the halo foundation in Kansas city, I saw online that, there's only a couple of you guys here right now. Is that right, or are there more? I mean, I know you probably have a lot of volunteers, but as far as, like, positions within the organization, I think I only saw, like, three profiles. Yeah, so in terms of um, actual staff members, in Kansas City, we have our program director, Carly, Mm -hmm. um, the chief operations officer, Nicole, and then the chief, I think she's the operations director, is um, Chelsea. So those three are like our full-time staff, and Mm -hmm. then myself and um, a woman named Albany. She's like a licensed counselor on our staff as well. So the five of us are the only staff in Kansas City, and then we have larger staff in other areas because worldwide we have more fully functional homes, that sort of thing. Um, So is this one trying to grow then to get to that level, or is this kind of, is it a, a more focused arena in Kansas City? So... Our goal is to go into a community and assess its needs and, again, fill those gaps as best we can. So in Kansas City right now, um, based on survey information, there are between three and 4,000 homeless youth in Kansas City at any given time. However, that does not account for the people who didn't take the survey or the people who weren't honest on the survey, and it doesn't account for um, the kiddos who are couch surfing at all. So that number could look more like 6,000, honestly. Yeah. And at this time, there are between 35 and 40 beds for those kids available oh, wow. on any night. Yeah. So we started out needing more of like a learning mm. center type programming for the shelters that are in the area. Mm-hmm. But within the next year, we're hoping to break ground on our capital campaign, which will put one boy's home and one girl's home in mm. Kansas City with 24 beds each. Great. Yeah, so that yeah. would that's our ultimate goal right now. That's fantastic. So what's your capital campaign look like? You said it's going to be in the next year. Yeah. Is that something that you're rolling out currently, or is it something you're work, working on to bring it forth? I mean, I know mm-hmm. anytime you want to give capital to, to a nonprofit, happy to have it. But as far as, like, the actual campaign, uh, one of the guys that I had on here first, his name's John Teasdale. Uh, I met him through the Kansas City Club, and my wife and him were in a program called the Centurions, which is a Kansas City leadership-based program from the okay. Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. And John kind of had a jaunt into the for-profit world, and I just don't, like, he's just this amazing human being, and it just was not his style. And so we went right back to the nonprofit world, and he works for Literacy KC now. Okay. And, um, but that was one of the things that he that he's in charge of is kind of that fundraising thing, because I think he knows everybody in this town. But that talking to him was the first time I really saw at least a, a sneak peek behind the scenes of exactly what goes into some of these campaigns. And it's a ton of work. So that was why I was asking, is it something that's going on now that you've worked on, or is it something that you're working on and then it's going to be rolled out soon? 
Yeah, it's ongoing. Um, okay. We, I'm not sure how far we in are into our fundraising aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily my role, but um, I think it will be roughly 7.25 million by the end of it. Great. Um, and we are we are in the process. You know, we're we've made pretty good headway on that. And yeah. again, I think breaking the ground in 2020 mm-hmm. is a reasonable goal. So yeah. And we've already secured a space. We have 37 acres. All that good stuff. Oh, so wow. we're just at this point, it's more about waiting on like architecture firms to yeah. tell us what's next. But yeah, I think in terms of fundraising so far, we rely a lot on private donors for all of our operations. Mm-hmm. We don't really get much funding from the government or anything because gotcha. that saves us a lot of red lines. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I like. I think we had a group come in who was talking about maybe trying to fund one room, so put in like a like a culinary center, so we could do cooking classes gotcha. or the woodworking or something like that. Yeah. So um, we just, I think we're going to try to scoop together as many of those groups as we can gotcha. and build it from there. That's but fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a good idea to have somebody that, I mean, I'm sure that their background is in that or their passion is in that and to be able to combine that with giving is pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So what, we've talked about kind of the, the first part of what brought you in. It was a program in college, but I I looked before, I would like look at your social media profile with just so much envy because you would, it looked like you were just traveling the world on a constant and consistent basis. I was like, this is the person I wish I had been when I was in college. So what was the, I know when we spoke last, which was a couple of years back, but you were in several different programs. You were already traveling. What, as far as like Elena Howard, what got her from I'm in, you know, the west side of Missouri, way up north, to I want to go everywhere on earth? Um, it was honestly sort of an accident. So I'm going to talk about Park University again because it. I really can't talk it up enough. But <laughs> they, I got a pretty good scholarship to there, which mm-hmm. included a stipend to study abroad. Oh, and nice. even when applying for the scholarship, I didn't even really factor that in. Like it, it just wasn't, yep. I went to small town, Missouri. So yep. study abroad, travel abroad was never really something that was pushed on me. Mm-hmm. And so it just wasn't even as in my head as an option. Yeah. But when I saw that stipend, I was like, huh. And so I kind of looked into what would be the most cost effective and did it for one summer and loved it and decided that was what I wanted to prioritize forever. Nice. Um, but also Park has... I think 49% international students. So they oh, have wow. kind of that's a, a huge percentage. Oh yeah. <laughs> They've got like all these reaches all over the world. So yeah. you can um, apply a different park scholarships to tuition abroad and that sort of thing. Gotcha. So yeah, um, they, re- they really made it a lot easier than I would have assumed it was before I got to do it. Yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity to study abroad for a full summer in Greece and then a second full summer in France. And that was nice. a really good experience. And I really do think it solidified it, my need to give back a little bit mm-hmm. just because I have been, I mean, I worked hard, but I've been set up with a lot of good opportunities. Right. And so when I got to the end of it, I was like, I want to see if I can help everybody else have the cool life that I had. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, if you, and most, pretty much everybody, I won't say pretty much, everybody that I've ever spoken to about travel has said, and I think this is one of the truest statements that's there and I keep telling myself I'm going to look up the quote to confirm it was Mark Twain but he had this quote where it was like if you want to cure you know the the you know the racial divide the racism and you know all of these different things that we don't like about each other just travel mm-hmm. travel opens your mind to so many things because you go over there and you're like what I'm seeing is not the CNN headline what I'm seeing is not what Fox News is telling me 
these are people, these are amazing different people who are living a very different life than mine. But you start talking to individuals, you start interacting with, you know, a shop owner here, you know, the person at the front desk of the hotel. You're like, it's not a country on a map. It's a, it's a, it's a piece of land filled with amazing people. And did you find that when you were abroad? Like, did that just kind of click one day? Like, Oh my God, I have been thinking about things in a very different way than I probably should. Yeah. It really did feel like I went from only seeing the world, like through the windows, the tiny little windows in the front of my head. It felt like my whole skull just fell down and I could see everything now. Like it was some crazy moment where I had a cool interaction with a stranger on a train and we Mm. didn't even like they didn't speak English so it wasn't like we had a real conversation or anything right I was like wow everybody's everybody's just a person everybody's just out here trying their best like there's yeah it's not anything to be frightened of I guess not at all and I mean that's it's the same it's not the same thing when you travel abroad as it is when you travel to different places I would say with the possible exception of New York when you go there, and it, for me, New York was too much. Like, that was one of those places I went to. I walked down uh, Broadway and went, I could never do this. This is just one place on earth I cannot be. There are too many people there. I can't see the sky very well. But for the most part, you really look at, you know, cities like that and you see the interactions between different cultures but when you go over and you know it doesn't matter if you know you travel to Europe and you're you know let's say you have a light complected skin like we do if you travel to Europe and everybody looks like you it's still a very different experience because they're doing things in a different way they're speaking a foreign language and I think it's good for people who are normally in the minority to get over to different places where they're kind of pushed out of their comfort zone because you start realizing that there's a huge positive and human interaction. And I just thought that was amazing. So yeah, when I, when I saw you travel, I was like, I got introduced to traveling outside of the country, like basically not the lake, which is how I know you, not Table Rock Lake, not going somewhere just because it has a lake where there are a bunch of boats with people you already know. I really got introduced to travel when I was in college. Uh, uh, Nikki, who's now my wife, uh, we had only met two months prior to this happening, but we got our entire families to agree to a um, to travel to Costa Rica and not like hotel resort Costa Rica like Manuel Antonio on the coast you know the closest like real town was Capos and that was four miles in and didn't look anything like what anything does here and it was one of the best experiences of my life and I came back from that and I had the same thing it was like I don't know what bug this is but it just bit me like crazy so now you know, anytime we can think about traveling, it's like, where can we go to that's not close? How far away can we go? The only place I think my wife has said she will never want to go that I really want to is Antarctica. So <laughs> talking about human interaction, I want to go to the place where there are zero humans, apparently. <laughs> so where have you traveled? Because you just got back from a place not too long ago, didn't you? Yeah, um, I went that time I was really just in Greece. I gotcha. mean, I had a few hours in Frankfurt and in Amsterdam, okay. and I'd never been to either of those places, so yeah. that was cool. But this time was really just to see friends that I have met from other times traveling. Nice. But yeah, that was cool. Um, but I have been, I've gone to school in Greece and France, and then I went to England for a week for a poetry program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also been to Spain, Morocco, and Italy. Good Lord. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I really would encourage anybody who has the means mm-hmm. to take at least a couple weeks and stay in one place Yeah, that is totally different to you. Like, make yourself have to go out and 
buy things from people who don't speak your language like teach yourself a few words so that you can be more polite in those interactions yeah. um if you've never had to use public transit before like use that to get around mm -hmm. it really is like character building to suddenly have to walk a mile somewhere to get on a too small train or something to go yeah. see some of the most beautiful sights in the world like exactly it's it, it's really eye-opening and yeah. I do think that everybody should experience it at least a little bit because Absolutely. it really will change the way you view other humans yeah well it's always amazing to me too when you go and this is uh, this is a completely Kansas City like it, this is a Kansas City issue without question but it's a lot of different places in Kansas City we have a I've always I've said this for years I hate our downtown not because I hate downtown I love my city I hate the loop I hate the 670, 70, 35, 29 just circle because it just completely destroyed having a large downtown. And so when you go to a city like Denver or you go to a city like, you know, Boston's a, probably a bad example because that's an East Coast town built around the harbor and everything else. But when you go to like Denver, pretty much the exact same idea as us right in the center of nothing, right before the mountains, whereas we're kind of a trade route because there are river crossings that hit. But you go to Denver and I walked a mile and a half to get somewhere and it was just no big deal whereas here it's like now you got to get in the car you can't do that if i've got to walk from down if i've got to walk from the river market to the north side of crossroads i'm taking a car and it's the dumbest thing in the entire world it's an easy walk so i mean that's to me that was one of the things that travel opened up too was just like i don't know what genetically idiotic thing i have going on but the idea that i can't walk is disturbing because I think we always joke about it, but we went to uh, we went to Italy a few years back. It was right before um, right before uh, we had Connor, and uh, Nikki wasn't pregnant yet. We got both of our sets of parents to go to Italy, and we stayed for a couple of days in Rome. <clears throat> took the train up to Florence, went back into Tuscany, and pretty much just went to all the sites in Tuscany, and then stayed in Florence for the last part of it. Mm -hmm. I we didn't gain any weight. And we ate pasta all day long. And it was because we walked miles and miles a day. It was just like, if I eat, you know, a half of a cheeseburger here, I gain five pounds. Because why? Because I'm sitting on my butt half the time. <laughs> so, that, that, I don't know. That was totally random part of the conversation. Yeah, but, but it was just one of those things you look around and you're like, we could probably do this. Yeah. This is normal for most people. <laughs> In Florence, you don't have a choice. Like, yeah. all the streets are too small. And they don't, have any, they don't have any kind of public transit, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, you really no. do got to walk everywhere. But yeah. We... Yeah. <laughs> Even better story about Florence, we had we rented cars when we were in Tuscany. We had to return them in Florence. We had to drive as Americans through the street through like it wasn't even the streets. It was like even for the streets you were talking about where they're tiny, these were like the back streets of those streets is where GPS took us. Like we looked it up and it was like, How do you get there? And it was just this jagged circle trying to get us to this location. And so I if you've ever seen uh, the French connection or I think it's one of the um it's some bank robbing movie with Matt or not Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg and Charlize Theron. They take little bitty like cars and they're just running through these streets. It looked exactly like that. It was just the three of us. It was me and my wife and one, my dad and the other, and then her parents in the third. And we were just almost taking people out trying to return these freaking cars. And as soon as we pulled in, the guy was like, do you guys want to pull around the corner and get gas and come back? It'll be cheaper. It was like, you could charge me $1,000 for a 12-gallon tank of gas. I would pay it immediately. I never want to get in that car again. Yeah, Florence is it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Everybody I've spoken to that's gone to, like, Rome or Florence or and Florence likes Florence more. They just like the sights of Rome. But then as soon as you get done with those, you're like, 
eh, stay in Florence. But I never want to drive there again, ever. I'll walk 10 miles to get one direction. It's fine. The further south you go, the worse the drivers are, too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So we were on, and I can never remember the name of it, but the bridge. Mm-hmm. The bridge there. Our hotel was right on the bank of that river, and I think it was the north side. We got into the south side, I think, one time with a taxi, and I was like, I'm good. We're, wait, I don't need to go back here because it, w- it was just crazy. It was a madhouse. And like where we were going was like you go from an alley into a giant square. It's like, this is beautiful. I'm just going to stay here for now. But yeah, that was I, I had to throw the Florence story out because to this day, like it gets my heart racing thinking <laughs> about the streets of Florence. And that was within two hours of us being in Florence, too. It was like, I really hope the rest of this goes way better because that was awful. <laughs> So with the organization that you're with and kind of with your the travel bug, do they have a pretty good understanding of like a work-life balance there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even um, so I think I started with them in the end of April mm-hmm. and I had booked in January the trip that I went on in June to just go visit some friends in Greece. Mm-hmm. And they were so understanding. Like they That's really awesome. usually have a policy where you only get a couple of vacation days if you're part time yeah. and you can't request off anything within the first 90 days. And I was like, I didn't even really plan on getting this job. Yeah. I had no <laughs> idea that this was even going to be an opportunity. And they were so nice about it. They were like, yeah, go on your trip. That's fine. Like, awesome. Yeah. So it was it was really cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. What well, um, the the transition from because I went through a really weird thing when I w- transitioned from college to workforce because I graduated in two thousand and nine, giant recession happened and I had this wonderful degree in personal financial planning, so it was like it was in some ways the best time to come out because I went as a financial advisor everybody's money had dropped off, so I could just say give me a chance what's yeah. the worst that could happen because <laughs> it's probably not gonna happen again. Right. But at the same time, like that was a, it was an industry that was really difficult. It was all commission based. I had no salary, no anything. And I would not have been able to succeed in that industry, nor the one that I'm in now, which is real estate. If I didn't have my wife, because there are times where like this past year I worked for 13 months and I got very, very little money, like horrific money. And then one day it was just, or one month, everything closed within four weeks that I've been working on for a year. So I had this month that's like, yeah, I made this much per month. And people would be like, wow, that's incredible. It's like basically my salary, but yeah, that's fine. (laughs) So the, but it's always strange to me because I, I didn't have the traditional college environment. I went from community college where I had an apartment off campus in Sedalia and a theater scholarship to going to the university of Missouri, where I again lived off campus in a house and I did. I never had the interaction. It seems like like I have to live vicarious, th- vicariously through people like you and my my niece because she does. Like she has the traditional college experience in a dorm, in a dorm, sorority, travel, doing all of those things that I didn't. Mm-hmm. So what was it like for you to go from? I mean, I know you were an incredible college student because your parents were having you all the time about it. But so when you go from that to workforce, I think a lot of people, especially with we'll say younger generations and the millennial tag is always put on there. They think like, well, you know, if you see this generation, they're not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Like you not only were an incredible student, you then transitioned into something that you are now passionate about. What was that like? That period of time between ah crap college and now I found my passion. Now I found my calling. Um, I think my experience is probably a little bit different because if you had 
asked me even like my second year of school after I had already found Halo. Yeah. If you had asked me what it was that I wanted to do with my English degree, I probably would have tried to describe exactly what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't have had the vocabulary or the context to do it. Gotcha. Um, so I think Halo was always part of my plan, but I had planned more to be there as an intern in a probably unpaid capacity gotcha. and I would go back after a few years of working and saving money. So there was about a year in between when I graduated and when I started that I was just bartending gotcha. um, at Stone Canyon in Parkville. Which is um, the best pizza ever. Oh Outside yeah. of Shakespeare's in Columbia. <laughs> but yeah, so I spent, <laughs> I spent about a year that working at Stone Canyon just full time as many hours as they would give me. Nice. Um, and so transitioning from that Mm -hmm. into a job where it is sort of like school again because I need to go and be alert for several hours at a time, yep. not able to just, you know, put on the mask and wait right. tables as yep. you can, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was – it all happened really quickly mm -hmm. because I wasn't planning on it at all. It just kind of fell into my lap and then kept working out the way I needed it to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was different. It has taken a little bit of – funny scheduling to kind of form that balance now between halo and part-time at stone canyon gotcha um but i would say that it at this point is pretty similar to school because while mm. i was in school i was working there the whole time and balancing classes then homework then regular work yeah. right and now it's basically just work life and then regular work minus the homework gotcha. so i kind of feel like it has fit well it took me a while to figure out that you don't have to go home from work and keep working it's a nice <laughs> you know? feeling yeah. you that one out. <laughs> i think there were a couple times when i was returning emails at like 11 o'clock at night and they were like hey take, take time for yourself <laughs> you don't have to do that that's awesome <laughs> so yeah. yeah learning how to schedule my days so mm. that everything kind of works out and fits into that was interesting but i really like it now that's like, awesome yeah do you still wake up with the since you've graduated with the nightmare that you forgot a class or that you have to aren't those the worst i still get i did that probably three months ago i woke up and i had a dream that was as real as could be that i hadn't been to class in a semester like i i was like it was probably you know in february or something and i thought it was december in my dream and i was like Oh my God, I'm going to fail this class and I'm not going to be able to. I woke up and I'm like, you're 32, man. You haven't been to school in years. It's been a decade. But Nikki's the same way. Yeah. She, you know, she had a lot of schooling. She had her, you know, postgraduate getting her JD and all that kind of stuff. And she does the same thing. It won't get better. I really would love to tell you, like, you won't have those anymore. You will yeah, forever. It haunts you for oh sure. my God. Yeah. But I, it is a nice feeling. Like when you do that, it's like when you're able to leave something at work, when you're able to leave it there. I mean, that was one of my favorite things about the job I had in college. I worked at a bank. It was like, as soon as that was done, I was done because right. the rest of my life was like, I had, I was in theater. Like I had to, not only did I have homework, I had to go there for three hours to rehearse. Yeah. And you're just like, you just kind of get in that zone where it's fine. But it also works out too, right when you're out, if you have any licensing that you have to do or you have tests that you have to do because you're just in that zone. Mm -hmm. If I had to do some of the stuff I did right after college, I don't think I could do it anymore. <laughs> just lazy, apparently. <laughs> so you bartend Stone Canyon part-time. Mm -hmm. And you said Parkville, not the Kansas City one. Like, do you go to the old one? Um, so Parkville is the original yep. one. Yep. And so that's the one that I work at. And then oh. there was the one in Zona Rosa. 
Um, yep. But that one has now moved to Gladstone. Oh, okay. And it just gotcha. opened up this week. But no, nice. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been to either of those locations yet. Gotcha. But, yeah. The one in Parkville, Nikki and I lived in Riverside. Oh, nice. So okay. we probably went there. Again, no idea why I gained so much weight for a few <laughs> years. But we'd go there probably every weekend, every other weekend for a time. And it's yeah. one of my f- – downtown Parkville is one of the coolest places it in is. Kansas it's City. A cool area. Just like you feel like you're kind of transported back in time, but you have all the modern luxuries. Mm-hmm. Just a nice city, city street. But then you've got – so you worked there, and then you went to Park. So your entire life was downtown Parkville. Yeah, pretty gotcha. much. Yeah, I could go weeks at a time and never – never leave downtown parkville one square mile good <laughs> yep. to go well in park university i mean you said you wanted to talk it up i one thing i can talk it up with because i've obviously never been mm-hmm. but it is one of the most beautiful campuses oh, yeah. i mean it's we i would go there and just stare it's like you've got when you come on the approach is that 45 mm-hmm. highway and you come on the approach and all of a sudden you're just kind of met with basically what is just a giant hill and there's the university and you can go underground here it's like i remember we would just drive around campus every once in a while oh, yeah. like this is amazing. It's the, gorgeous. Yeah. The main building, the mm-hmm. tall one, it's called yep. McKay. Okay. Um, and it was actually built, I believe, in the, like, right around, like, 1907-ish. Nice. Um, and that was one of the first work-study programs in the U.S., I think, maybe even in the world, because they allowed the university's architecture students to build that instead of paying for tuition. Oh, wow. Basically. So that was actually built by students as payment for tuition out of limestone that was mined from the underground oh nice yeah i did not know that no most of the most of the buildings there i think are made of that limestone gotcha yeah yeah i mean it's it's beautiful downtown parkville is beautiful the the approach when you go from 45 at nine highway maybe going Mm -hmm. north i mean we actually looked at one of the houses up there i think it was owned at currently it was mixed use it was commercial or residential depending on what you wanted to do but it was a greenhouse and it's on that freaking road that is just vertical so houses are like there's the sidewalk and 12 feet up is the basement of the house and we went out on one of the decks there and i think on that side it either overlooks like a an athletic field i don't know if it's a soccer field or a football field or whatever Mm -hmm. it is but you really get a sense of like just how amazing that campus is because you're not high up but it goes down into the valley and then it goes right back up that hill so yeah i mean if if you ever want to go to a college just only based on scenery because i have no idea the programs there which you do but that that would be my top choice mm-hmm. i mean it's a, it's small enough where it actually feels like an intimate university but it's amazing to walk through as well because oh, yeah. i when i went from i went to state fair community college uh, for theater because they gave me a scholarship and i was like yeah i don't have to pay fantastic and then i went to the university of missouri and i love my alma mater but if you're gonna pick what's prettier park wins out without question it's like you've got jesse hall and there you go (laughs) which is of course the only building they ever show in pictures they don't show like half the ones that i went to they're like okay (laughs) no working elevators no working elevators it's fine it's really hot in here where's the air conditioning yeah no i like to say park is a good school for nerds um i mean (laughs) the science program is really good they've Mm -hmm. got like a really good lab um the nursing program especially was recently revamped and it is like super high tech if you want to be a nurse that's a great school to go to but also like in terms of being for nerds there's not a football team just a soccer team okay so So i saw a soccer field yeah right okay so no football no cheerleaders none of that no like sororities or fraternities Mm -hmm. and then you have the castle which is very similar to hogwarts (laughs) and then you have the underground where you can feel like batman nice (laughs) that's fantastic for everybody 
You should just go there and just be one of the people that walks new kids through. Like, you look like you should go here. Want to <laughs> see the Hogwarts castle? Come on with me. You look like you like Batman. Let's go into the tunnel. That's perfect. <laughs> I actually got to, while I, while I was a student there, I was really crazy involved. I don't, mm-hmm. like, looking back, I don't know that I set out to be super involved. It was more that I kept finding things that I liked to do and did mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, but part of my job was to be a first-year experience mentor. So I would get assigned a group of freshmen or first-year transfer students. Mm-hmm. And so during the first week, it was my job to take them on tours, help them find their classes, um, help them with books, financial aid, all that kind of stuff, yeah. like being the first person they go to if they have a question. Seems to be um, a, a theme with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 when I was in my interviews, I was like, listen, I've kind of done this before. Like <laughs> You're looking for people to help? Yeah. I got sh- This is going to be old news. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I have found about myself that I like to find organizations that do like good, respectable work that you can get behind yeah. and then help other people experience them in the best way possible. Like yeah. That's just what I have found that I'm good at. Yeah, when you become a cheerleader yeah. for the cause, and that help probably helps you not only obviously just being happy when you go to work, but just mentally you kind of feel like I'm doing something oh, yeah. for other people. I'm doing something that I like, and it just happens to fall within the spectrum of what these people are looking for. Right. So. And Halo, Halo has the added bonus for sure of every single day I can see the way that we are affecting individual lives and helping kids move away from the cycle of homelessness yeah. like it's it's really cool that's fantastic and it mm-hmm. seeing that on a day-to-day basis has to help because i know that when you're i mean I, there's a i don't know if you know who uh, i think it's chris hofstetter he's a comedian um he he has a he became like youtube famous because he basically will put down hecklers so anybody that comes to his show and thinks that they're going to one-up him on something, he will just make sure that that doesn't ever enter their mind again. But he, in one of the episodes, he talks about, it's a long, kind of ridiculous um, clip, but it was interesting to see because there was somebody that um, he asked the audience, like, are you doing what you want to do? Like, And there was somebody in my profession that was like, I'm a realtor and I love it. It's like, yeah, working for a commission is probably exactly what you dreamed about growing up, I'm sure. But I mean, there were several people in the audience that, you know, work for nonprofits. One was like an international motor motocross writer. It's like, yeah, you're probably doing exactly what you want to do and found a way to hack life to make that happen. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's interesting. And I love seeing people like you who it, you know, not only does it fit within something that makes you feel, you know, mentally well, it helps you out because, you know, you're helping other people out. But you're just kind of drawn to that situation where it's like I, you need a guide. I'm here to be a guide. Fantastic. (laughs) Do you find that on the opposite side of that, when somebody has to guide you, you get frustrated or you just kind of understand, like, I just don't know. Um, I feel like I don't typically get frustrated. Um, I feel like it's like the joke about how if you've been a server before Mm -hmm. and then you're getting really bad service, you're always like, I don't even care. It's fine. Like, (laughs) do what you have to do. Don't worry about me. I think I'm kind of the same way, but it helps that I usually know what questions to ask gotcha to, you know yeah so yeah yeah so what um what is one of the just pinnacle experiences that you've had I mean I know you haven't been here long mm-hmm. but I mean I just think you know every once in a while you kind of get into a situation no matter what your career is even if you're in something like what I do mm-hmm. you know there's there's always something that hits you like there was a last year my brother and I had somebody come in and they knew they couldn't buy a house and they were just like yeah we had this issue this issue there were financial issues kind of stemming back from the recession and uh, they mentioned their credit score. They were like, we just got it checked, and it's only this. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a program with this bank that 
you can do that. Mm-hmm. You want us to check it out? Sure. And we got him in a house. And it was one of those things, like, I think mentally mm-hmm. it really helped them. And you could see that. It was like, oh, we can't afford it because we made some mistakes and just mm-hmm. kind of ruined us. And to bring somebody back like that was just really neat. It's like you don't really get a lot of experiences like that when you're working real estate because most of the time you're just like, I don't want to make that phone call. This is terrible. Why are we doing this? In yours, I've got to imagine there's a lot of just everyday moments, but there's got to be something that you've seen already, whether it was when you were volunteering or now, that was just like, that made that made my month. That made my year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there have been a couple smaller ones for sure. Um, I think it sticks out to me every time we get, you know, a young a young man who's 16, 15, something mm-hmm. like that, who kind of comes in. And at first, I mean, you walk into the, the learning center and it's all brightly colored and everything like that. So it is like it's really artsy and that sort of thing. So I think a lot of times the kids walk in and they're a little uneasy or put off or they're mm-hmm. like, what am I going to have to do now? You know, like yep. that sort of thing. Um, and it's always really nice to see, especially the kids that make sure they put on a really tough face to kind of see that break away a little bit mm-hmm. and see them get excited. Like I rem- I can remember one young man when I was volunteering who got so pumped that I was going to let him play with glitter. Like he used <laughs> glitter on his pictures. He was like 16 years old and he was like, like visibly so excited that I was like, yeah, use as much glitter as you want. And that one, yeah, it was, it was like funny, but it also kind of hit my heart a little bit because yeah. like, how often are you around adults that are squashing this, you know, how are people in general who are squashing this, Mm -hmm. you know, like you deserve, you deserve this time to feel like a kid. Right. So those always kind of stick with me. Like the, the young men that get really, really excited about that kind of stuff. I think we had a guy yesterday in our sewing class who successfully made the pouch. And when Mm. he like held it open for the first time, you could see in his eyes, he's like, I made this and it's doing what it's supposed to. I just created with this with my hands, you That's know? Awesome. So it's, it's really cool to see those moments because yeah. it is small, but it's good. It's yeah. really healthy. Um, or right when I first started, there was a gal who's been with us for a really long time and her mother, she's living with her mom, who's a really loving, hardworking woman, um, kind of reached out to, out to us and said she was ready to get her first job. So we invited her in and pulled together some resources. We were able to give her a list of all the places that were in her area, in walking distance, or on a close bus route mm-hmm. that were hiring. So she had that. And then we also went through um, tips for making a resume, tips for being in an interview. Like I kind of explained to her what it means when somebody asks you this or this in an yeah. interview question. Like they're not really asking how you or where you grew up or whatever. They want to know what your values are, that sort of thing. And by the end of it, she was like, this is amazing. I never would have known any of this. She was like, I mean, she has good people in her life, but she has never really had the chance to sit down and actually learn these things. And within about a month, she had a job where she's working like 30 hours a week or something for the whole summer. Nice. Um, So, I mean, you can't, you don't take credit for that or anything like that. But the fact that we were able to help her and push her in the right directions. Yeah. Like that does, that does change the world for her a little bit too. Yeah. So that was a really good one. Well, it's amazing to, when you see the ability to like give people tools they didn't even know existed. Right. I mean, that to me is, that's as, as good as you can get as a person. Mm -hmm. Like if, I mean the, it's such a cliche statement, but like, you don't know what you don't know, but it's absolutely true. And if you get into that situation and you either haven't had anybody around in your life, that's been able to teach you 
wanted to teach you anything like that. And then all of a sudden you get somebody in there like you, this is something you have to know, but we're going to make sure you do. And then, you know, you get the satisfaction at the end of the day of like, I got the job mm -hmm. and you have a, a, a real reward. And especially at the end of the week or at the end of the month when you get paid, it's like, I can now see that this, these skills that I had no idea even existed gave me real actual value. I mean, that, that lifts your spirits as a person, not just, mm -hmm. you know, I did something good today. Hooray. It's like, no, I, I made take my opinion would be take credit for it all you want because you can say like, I actually helped somebody be the person they always could be. They just didn't know. Right. Yeah. And I would say there are a lot of aspects of just the professional world in, in any field, whenever you're trying to get a job that is sort of set up to weed out the people that haven't learned certain things. Mm -hmm. The problem with our kids is that it's not it doesn't have anything to do with them. It's just resources that they've missed over the years, lessons that didn't happen. If yeah. they've never had somebody sit down with them and teach them like this is how you dress for an interview, then they mm -hmm. simply don't don't know those things, you yeah. know? Like it's not yeah, so it is good to be able to find those resources and provide it for the people that want to ask for it. Yeah. You know. Well, it's it's so amazing because you see that at every level too. Like I'm mm -hmm. sure that there is a there is, you know, relative performance, relative knowledge when you look at several different factors. And I'm not going to pretend that the world's perfect and equal in that regard. But it is amazing to me that you do see those those kind of missed opportunities, whether it's, you know, the poorest of the poor, the richest of the rich. My uh, uh, Somebody close to me, I won't say who, but somebody very close to me was interviewing somebody for a relatively lucrative position. And if nothing else, it was a very good opportunity to kind of create a very lucrative opportunity and um so this individual is interviewing them their family is has a lot of money they've been raised going to the best schools showed up for this opportunity where everybody dresses in a suit or nicer and was wearing shorts and a t-shirt like really interesting like you uh, looking at your resume you'd be the perfect candidate you right. sitting right here in front of me, not at all. Mm -hmm. So it is amazing to me when you see that, when you see, you know, obviously somebody who never even had the opportunity mm -hmm. to be taught that, whether it's their household environment or something that might have happened along the way, to somebody who had every opportunity and just chose not to take advantage of it. So it's it's a yeah. it's kind of a crazy world, but I, I can I definitely can see that when you get into certain aspects, certain certain individuals probably need that help a lot. Right. Yeah. And we do, I think, again, like, we try to fill those gaps where we can. Mm -hmm. I just, I can remember her face just, like, lighting up by the yeah. end of it. And she's like, wow, I can't. She's like, I never would have understood any of this. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. All this, like, that was cool. But we also, I think about a year ago, they had a gal come in. Or no, it was right before the 2016 elections. Mm -hmm. They had a gal come in who taught, just broke politics down to the very basics. What is a Democrat? What is a Republican? Mm -hmm. What is the Electoral College? All of that. Yeah. And explained it to the kids. And at the end of it, helped everyone who was 18 and older get registered to vote. Nice. You know, like yeah. little things like that. That really does like that. That helps for yeah. people that don't. I mean, even something as simple as not being able to get a ride to the polls. Yeah. Make can make or break that for somebody. So being able to pull all of that under one roof and mm -hmm. get them that resource right away was really, really cool. Yeah. Well, and it's probably good to see that in an election like 2016 which was famously calm and well thought out um, <laughs> but i mean it, it, to me that's 
probably the biggest benefit. I mean, somebody just being able to come in and with just a straight face say, this is what this is, this is what this is, here's the made policy, here's the, you know, a little bit of history to get your understanding kind of in line with, with where we are, and then to, one, help, but also just be able to walk away after that right. and not say, but here's what's the truth, <laughs> because that was... <laughs> now here's who you vote exactly. for. Exactly. Yeah, right. Like, and, well, it's, I mean, I was... I always found it really interesting when I was in college and I, you know, I, I have such weird off political views that it probably just would frustrate anybody to be like, but you're this. <laughs> yeah. But I think of the, uh, but I'm not at the same time. But I, uh, I was in a sociology class when I was in college, which you would think would kind of lend itself to somebody who was very open teaching the class. Like you, this is your degree. This is your doctorate. You understand it. And it was the exact opposite i had this person that was like people that are far left would find this person terrifying as a sociology professor like she would show videos almost daily of people that were republicans and then democrats just trashing them mm -hmm. and it was really strange it was like aren't you supposed to kind of teach us that this this model of behavior that you're showing us right now is kind of the antithesis of what a good person is and it was uh, you couldn't you couldn't change your mind. Mm -hmm. I actually like there were people that would because this is a class of three hundred, and so you know people raised their hands like, "What are you, like you're so far off base? It's not even funny." And it's like, "Sit down, or you're doing this." Like I'm not gonna sacrifice my grade to try to prove my point, but I think less of you now. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but I mean, to y you kind of take advantage. You're, you don't realize, I guess, your advantage when you really are able to research and you know what to research again right. know what you don't know don't know what you don't know right. but that's very cool mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah it's been great yeah and so the i mean you've got the experiences you've now had i mean ha so how long did you volunteer with them i guess i didn't break that down because you said you did it in college so but i honestly am not even really for sure myself i think it was about a year and a half okay um because i started pretty well at the beginning of my freshman semester and I was just volunteering for a while and then I started teaching a couple different workshops and mm -hmm. then for a summer I think I was going in probably twice a week yeah. um, to again teach workshops and I helped do writing for their blog a while and that sort of thing so that was about a year and a half and then I think there were two or three years in between gotcha. and then I came back in April nice yeah and so the learning center as a as a place as a I assume it's a physical location mm -hmm. as the Learning Center. So where did that start? So I think the Learning Center was actually the first part of Halo that was developed. Oh, um, okay. Halo itself started, I think, in 2004 mm -hmm. when Rebecca had gone on her mission trip to, I think it was Honduras, mm -hmm. and she met a little girl while she was, she was off buying a lemonade or something like that, and this yeah. little girl came up, like, with all, she was had like dry lips you could really tell that she was hungry and kind of in need of clothing and that sort of thing and yeah. Rebecca said that the little girl like comes up and kind of asks for a drink and it really did just send her whole world crashing down she was like wow I think I think there are other ways that I could be helping people yeah. and at the time she was I think a world champion martial artist oh which wow is totally crazy yeah <laughs> um and she so she went back to one of her she taught martial arts to kids right mm -hmm. and kind of told them the story of Daisy the little girl and mm -hmm. everything and the kids were like, well, that's wrong. You know, like just, you know, the way kids can oh be. Yeah. It's just like Black fact, and white. you know, yep. like they're like, well, that's not right. We got to do something. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had 
a board breakathon that they hosted. <laughs> the kids break boards, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, I've never been to one, but I think that one raised like four or five thousand dollars, something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, crazy. And so they used that money and had another one, and that one raised, I want to say, almost forty thousand, somewhere in there. Yeah, like these kids really just—it didn't even occur to them that you know children aren't supposed to be able to make that happen yeah you know yeah so they just really went in with that kid mindset of well we're going to do something about it yeah and with that they started halo so the headquarters and the learning center are in kansas city Mm -hmm. and then i don't know what order the rest of it showed up in but we Mm -hmm. also have a learning center in mexico and then across guatemala uganda nicaragua and kenya and india I think that's everywhere. Wow. We have um, some learning centers, some different education programs. And just gave a look. My lights went out on an automatic switch. (laughs) Sorry about that. Go ahead. Um, (laughs) So spread out across those, we have learning centers, um, other educational, like tuition reimbursement programs, Uh um, and then actual fully operational orphanages um, where kids can come in at any age, Mm -hmm. and they're pretty well seen through when they're ready to move out as an adult, um, and that's full care food clothing they pay for tuition because tuition is expensive in a lot of places even for public school um Mm -hmm. so that sort of thing so really it's more (laughs) it's more um gotta get a new stand sorry (laughs) that that is more like of a home like lifelong kind of care and then more recently we developed a couple different transitional living programs in missouri Mm -hmm. so in jefferson city we have one that's up and going i think it can sleep 20 women at once um, oh, wow. and that one is purely a girls program mm-hmm. so I told you we like to go in and kind of assess a community's needs right yeah. and fill those gaps so in Jefferson City there was nowhere where like a young woman escaping a bad situation could go and be admitted without someone 18 or older to sign her in oh wow right yeah so you can imagine that there were probably a lot of girls that were in bad situations at home that couldn't really escape yeah. because there weren't any options for them. So the Jefferson City Girls Home serves girls roughly like 16 to 24 mm-hmm. years of age. Um, and then their kiddos if they have them. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that has been running for the last few years now and has been really successful. I think it's seen somewhere around 56 young ladies. Gotcha. Um, and that is an 18 month program roughly. Um, they can stay a little bit longer on the end if they need to, but they can live totally rent free. Um, they're provided resources on parenting, budgeting, getting a job, art mm-hmm. therapy, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, substance abuse care, if that's necessary. Yeah. Um, basically again, anything that kind of helps them advance their lives a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then also like, okay, so you don't have a high school diploma. Let's start there. Yep. You need a job. Let's do that. You need, you don't have your social security card. Let's work on that. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. Just helping, spending that time to help them get on their feet, give them the parenting skills that they need. That way they can leave and be a productive member of the community. Gotcha. Right. Um, in Kansas City, we have a pilot program that's the same. Um, we had have two girls in it and it's wrapping up right now. And that'll resume whenever we open up our home and actually gotcha. have those 24 beds. But yep. yeah, I think those two girls, it's, two girls and then one of them has her kiddo with her um and they've done really really well they both have been able to um save up some money and Mm -hmm. i think one of them just bought a car they both have good jobs and they're they've been apartment hunting so that they can get a place of their own yeah yeah it's it's been really great that's fantastic i mean the the theme that i keep hearing from you and you've used the word a couple of times but it just seems like the overall idea is that you know anybody who's in in a bad situation whether that's you know I don't want to say of their own doing, but they've, you know, just kind of come from a situation where they they have not found the, the tools to improve their lives. The, the word that I keep 
hearing from you is empowerment. Mm -hmm. It's taking an individual and showing them like, here's the way we're going to help. And I think that, I mean, when you, especially when you come from certain situations, you feel so, you know, just kind of mentally devastated that, you know, I mean, I don't, not trying to reroute the conversation, but when I was in kind of my early college years, when you've got hormones going crazy and everything else, like I went through two horrific depressions and there is nothing you can really comprehend that can really tell anybody what that feels like outside of I didn't like there was just nothing positive I didn't feel anything positive for weeks or for months and to know that some people not only have that that they're struggling with but to also come from a situation where somebody may have told them that that's the case and then they come to you and you tell them the exact opposite and you help them through and I'm sure a lot of that you know I don't want to say it's hand-holding but it kind of is in a very positive and productive way so I mean it's got to be one we've talked about the the big positives like you know helping people seeing the light in that kid's eyes that was playing with glitter knowing that that lady got her job but i mean when you see some of these people come in the first time it's got to be kind of mentally it, it has to kind of rock you a bit sometimes to see some of these situations and go okay i have to be a positive force but i also have to be a little bit stronger of a person because i can handle this right now Right. Yeah. We actually do go through a lot of training on that. Um, It's called secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's when the trauma that someone else has experienced, the way that you are experiencing it vicariously, whether through them telling you about it or if you witness something, that is also a form of trauma that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of our training also is in trauma informed care because Mm -hmm. you do have to assume that every child who walks into the learning center is either currently experiencing or has recently experienced pretty pretty serious trauma you know i mean even just to be to be homeless and have ended up in the shelter that they're in to be with us Mm -hmm. means that they have had a bad experience with a parent or experienced neglect or whatever insert insert trauma here you know like it's you really do and you also don't know i mean there are times when a kid will get dropped off at the shelter at four and then the shelter comes into halo at six so mm-hmm. they're still they're still reeling you know they're still yeah. they've still got all of that going on in their head so mm-hmm. being that strong mindful presence is mm-hmm. really really important like even just little things like making sure you're smiling making sure as they come in you're like okay this is where water is these are where the restrooms are you're going to be here for one hour like explaining exactly what's going on and where everything they need is just so they can kind of sit breathe you know they can feel stability yeah 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 kind of get more into that mindset and not have to be so stressed in that moment yeah Yeah. and what do you said you had training for those situations do they also i mean and again i don't know how involved it gets i can imagine but don't want to say but i mean do they also kind of make sure that you're talking to people that you're talking to everybody around you because i mean some of those i I think about i have a, a family member who's a who's a police officer and for a number of years, he was in um, special victims unit. And it's horrifying, some of the things that they do. And it's like, you know, they try to have you talk to people and, you know, you know kind of have that conversation. But in that world, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you just have to kind of grin and bear it and keep going. And you see that come out a lot of times when you're just having a conversation with them. And it's just like there's a break. And you see just something flash across. It's obviously a memory of something that they went through. And you're like, that's... You don't, you don't want to call it post-traumatic stress, stress disorder, but it's got to be something similar to that when they went on the scene and saw something that was just something I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. 
when you have somebody that comes in to your learning center, I mean, I'm sure you've heard stories. People probably kind of pour their heart out in some way. But, I mean, do they, in your world, do you guys also have kind of conversations around each other? Or do you make sure that you kind of, like, get get that off of you? Absolutely. Yeah. So we do have our, like, the licensed <coughs> counselor on staff that I told you about, right. Albany, right? Yep. Um, so every Wednesday she comes in and runs what we call group supervision, mm-hmm. which is where she Skypes with the women who are running the home in Jefferson City. Okay. And then anybody in the learning center side of it that wants to come in as well. Mm-hmm. And that's basically just a time to talk about the any kind of secondary trauma you're experiencing while dealing and also discussing the trauma that your clients are dealing with too yeah. so that our licensed person can tell you, okay, you need to take some time and take care of yourself or mm-hmm. this is the best way to address that, that sort of thing. So yeah. we also have a lot of training um, as we're starting on the signs of burnout, both in yourself and in the people around you. Yeah. So we are all sort of responsible for keeping an eye on ourselves and also on each other yeah. to make sure that we're not going through that because That's really great. You can't help people, especially people in these situations, mm-hmm. if you aren't first taking care of yourself. Absolutely. Like if you have, if you're walking into it with your own issues or your own things that you're focusing on, or you're in the moment and something can trigger you in a way that is that you're unable to come back from, like mm-hmm. that's valid. But you also aren't helping anybody. Right. Like you shouldn't. You shouldn't ever consider yourself a martyr. You right. know that yeah. sort of thing. Like that's not. That's just not good for anybody. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, we have a lot of resources in place, and they're also really understanding about it. Like, if I were to say tomorrow, like, hey, I'm. I really think I should work from home today. Like, I'm not really. I'm not really doing so well with it right now. They would be like, that's fine. Do what you need. Yeah. Come in when you're ready. That's you know, fantastic. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. They really do take a lot of proactive steps to make sure that we aren't experiencing anything good like that. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I, and I do think that's, you know, it, it's such a, it seems like such an obvious thing, but we've, you know, I don't, not everybody is in a situation to work at a place that operates in that manner, but it's amazing to me. Like, it just seems like as we shift our culture a little bit away from just feeling like you have to work nine to five or eight to five, 40 hours a week, you come home, you punch the time, da, 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 da. And that's your whole life for 30 or 40 years. And then you get 20 to retire. I feel like there are a lot of programs that are really moving away from that. And my wife always sends me studies. She works in employment law. So she's really interested in some of the situations that, you know, kind of come up. And it's amazing that you see companies that move to like a four day work week. I mean, just something that simple, just taking one day away, like keep the salary four days of work, but here's how we're going to structure it. And they have, you know, somebody come in that models what somebody's day look, looks like. And all it really is, is making sure that you know, just random things like, you know, if there's bad lighting in the place, you change the lighting. If the air conditioner should be set at 70 and not 72, you change the air conditioner. Like you continue to go through all of these things and all of a sudden they find that because they have three days, like it's almost a 50-50 balance at this point between work and just their life, that when they come in for four days, they're going crazy. Like they're just doing exactly what they need to do because they know that whether it's Monday or Friday or a day in the middle of the week, that individual is going to be, you know, 95% productive at work as opposed to 70% most of the time. So I, I like hearing about work environments where they're understanding, they take the time to really take care of their employees. And I, I mean, honestly, at this point, I feel like every single place in the world should have a counselor on hand. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing when you, you hear, you talk to somebody, you meet somebody on the street and you just say, Hey, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Like, is it? For everyone? Right. I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm guilty about giving that answer, too. So it is what it is. <laughs> so what's um, so 
as far as the learning center goes, I mean, you've there have been several programs that you've kind of talked about that you guys have. But what's your what's your favorite thing that you guys do? <laughs> well, we've got an event coming up next week mm -hmm. that is like our summer showcase. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it's one of, I think, a couple events that we do that are actually specifically for the kids. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of our events are for fundraising and to celebrate our donors and that yeah. sort of thing, too. But this is one that we really do focus entirely on making sure the kids have a good time. Gotcha. So we've had several different programs throughout the summer that kind of lead up to this mm -hmm. where they can work on projects that have to do with our with our monthly life skill or our theme this year which is growing mm -hmm. um and then it's an opportunity for the kids to come in and kind of show their work in a professional environment you know awesome. we'll set up easels and everything like that yeah and then we invite kind of our friends and just generally the halo family you yeah. know to come in and celebrate the kids celebrate their healing look at their art that sort of thing so awesome. i'm really excited about that one Very um cool. i haven't gotten to be part of it yet so yeah, yeah that's a good one <laughs> and then just for this summer um, since I came on in May, I've kind of had a hold on all the summer programming that we've done. Yeah. So we do art and life skills weekly right now with three different shelters. And then one has been every other week. Gotcha. And then I teach a weekly creative writing class to one of our groups of teens that come in. English major come in handy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then just this week and next week we have Tuesday, Wednesday. So like a four session sewing workshop mm -hmm. that's going on. Um, and that's been a cool one too. And then another random one that we set up, we have a partnership with the steam studio mm -hmm. in Westport. Okay. It's like STEM, but with the A for art. You oh, know, nice. Steam. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Um, so they had a chance to go in there and kind of either take a personality quiz and build like a professional portfolio based on that. Oh, wow. Or <laughs> do like a layout of their dream space. Yeah. Or if they have like an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial I cannot say that word it's all good. entrepreneurial <laughs> idea they can um, they kind of could build a poor uh, profile for that too nice. and then that'll actually all be at the showcase so that they can present it to people as well Very but that cool. one's a really cool chance to do like creative artsy stuff mm -hmm. but in a really professional environment using schools that or skills that go towards like technical design architecture that sort of thing so nice. yeah that one was a really cool one too so what's the age range because i've heard i mean see young kids in some of the pictures in halo and you know obviously you're talking 15 16 year olds up to 24 you know in some of your programs i mean is there just a 20 year better range in there just kind of early life at that point pretty much um so the youngest groups that we <coughs> see typically are like 5 to 12 i would say okay. are the the shelters mm -hmm. that's who they serve usually um so i think the youngest kid that i've actually seen in the center was four maybe yeah four or five um and then all the way through we say 24 but if one of our kids that we've worked with for a long time comes back at 25 and needs something obviously we're going to help them yeah you know yeah. um so yeah it is a pretty solid um, almost 20 year age range nice yeah and how long has the organization been around 15 years 15 i years. think this year is our 15th birthday gotcha yeah, yeah it'll be It'll be interesting with an organization like that. And obviously in certain programs, you hope that you don't see somebody back again. But at the same time, like when you when you have an organization like yours that is dedicated and kind of has their focus in. And I know that you guys are continuing to expand, but it does seem like when you find an area of focus, you stick with it and you're there. And again, it just breeds the consistency that some of the kids probably haven't ever seen. But it's got to be amazing to, and I know you've only been there for a little bit here, but it's got to be amazing for, you know, some of the people that have been around for 10, 12 years to actually have seen people, you know, kids go from that five-year-old that they knew up to, you know, 
early teens or late teens to be able to see like this is something that we can actually show like here's our progress here's our influence here's our poster child for lack of a better word yeah it is really cool um and i would say that obviously we always want to be able to set up the workshops for all the kids that we're trying to reach Mm -hmm. but another part of our goal i guess with those is to keep kids around yeah like we have a lot of kids who like i said we meet through shelter and then they stick around a while like if we can really build up that relationship with them then that gives us the ability to offer them resources for a long time like build the way we're doing that yeah because there are some kids that will just come in for one art workshop and then we just never see him again mm-hmm. and you just you just don't know what happens right? right um so it is really cool to be able to build those relationships mm-hmm. um and again become that family yeah. right because that is ultimately what we would like to do is be the family resource that they maybe haven't had yeah um but we do have i think we've got two girls right now that are especially doing especially well nice. um we've got oh i i'm not <laughs> sure if i can actually say names i think i can because they're on all of our promotional stuff but gotcha. we've got one girl named like marjay uh-huh. and she came in whenever she was pretty young she started coming to our art and life skill workshops and she built up a relationship with the gal who had my position before Mm -hmm. um and since then we've been able to help her get a scholarship um we've been able to give her opportunities to share her poetry Mm -hmm. she's like a really really talented poet so um we've kind of seen her grow in her skills at that and then also be able to come in and present that at our events and that sort of thing so just being able to watch her her journey as she heals and is now like has like a full ride scholarship to go to Mizzou, you know, nice. like that's, that's, it's just really cool to be able to see that sort yeah. of thing too. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and another gal, Tiana, who kind of went the same route, like we were able to help her get a scholarship and now she's about to move into her, the first step in her career, you know, wow. like we've, again, we've known her for years and we've yeah. kind of been able to watch her develop and yeah. it's just, yeah, it's really cool. Well, it's got to, I mean, it's for somebody like, like those two that, have taken the time have you know done the right things and obviously taken the right steps to do um kind of what i assume you would say is kind of your mission in life to empower them to make those decisions but to see that is obviously amazing but you i i just cannot imagine being a part of an organization where you can actually say like look at this mm-hmm. we we were part of this like that this wasn't something where you know they just kind of slinked away they had to put in the effort they had to put in the work they had to show up but at the same time we gave them that place that's got to be a very empowering thing for you guys too like it's got to feel good to just be able to say like yeah we're here yeah absolutely it is um i like to i like to say that we are we're like the link between people who are wanting to help and people who want to ask for help yeah because these two girls are really good examples of people who saw us for the resource that we are i mean obviously we're always sharing that but a lot of kids don't really conceptualize in the moment like oh this is somewhere i can go if i need to use the internet this is somewhere that i can go if i need help with my resume that sort of thing you know but these girls really that clicked for them and they stuck around and now even little things like if they need a ride somewhere we're like yeah i got you or they Mm -hmm. need to come print something out like they can just come by you know it's like it is really cool to kind of have set up that relationship with them where they feel comfortable enough to reach out and ask for things because that is what we want yeah and it's it's neat that there are people who actually catch on and can take advantage of it yeah yeah Yeah. it's got to be fun yeah it is (laughs) it really is yeah and the little the little girls are my favorite too there's this (laughs) there's this young lady one our program director has a story about the first time she went to one of the shelters this girl comes up and she's like hi i'm child and she's like i'm the halo ambassador i'll be taking you to your classroom at like six you know two feet tall (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) 
And she, I think, I haven't known her since she was that young. I've known her since she was probably nine, maybe a little older. But I think she's about to go into her freshman year of high school. Gotcha. And we still see her all the time and everything. Awesome. Like, yeah, it is neat. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, there is a, there is a little girl in my oldest son's class named Ava. And that's, you, you have an Ava. <laughs> like the first time we went and like just kind of checked the place out, she like came up to us and asked us who we were, what our names were. It was like, you're like 18 inches tall. Stop it. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop doing better at introducing yourself than I am at introducing myself. Um, what, I guess with an organization like that, I mean, obviously you guys, when you focus, you focus, you have different areas that you I'm sure are trying to expand to as we've discussed. But is there anything where you guys say, like, w this is just one area that somebody else is taking care of, so we're not going to focus on that? Like, basically, do you guys have something where it's like, and I think about my friend's organization, Literacy KC, that is such a focused thing. But because of kind of the situations that they see, the people that they interact with, they've had to kind of establish partnerships where somebody comes in, let's say, as a, you know, a victim of domestic violence they know because they've seen that plenty of times, like I have to call this organization and we're going to make sure you're there, mm -hmm. but we're not taking over that. Cause one, that's not our focus. And two, th they're obviously doing something better at it. So, I mean, there are there because it, it seems like you guys have a, a lot of amazing things, but you do have in concentrated value. You have a lot of different things that you do. You have classes, you have these, you know, the shelters with beds that you guys have. I mean, that's, that's several areas to kind of, keep in one organization so is there anything that your founder or that your your organization overall has just kind of said nope so and so is doing great we just need to make sure that if somebody comes in in that situation we connect them so i think the way that we kind of um i don't know if categorize is the right word mm -hmm. but the way that we kind of um establish that yeah is that our three pillars that we focus on are housing healing and education gotcha. so everything that we do are falling under one of those three umbrellas mm -hmm. um and then our i guess if we have a mission statement it would be that we're trying to help one more child spend one less day alone yeah so that's usually how we keep our focus on that um i think the main thing that i've had to say we don't have that but here's a number you can call is when we get a lot of calls for adults that are searching for shelter okay and we don't really we don't offer any kind of services for adults we focus solely on children yeah um but our number obviously shows up if you're googling homeless in kansas city yeah. so yeah. we get do get a lot of phone calls from people who are looking for shelter mm -hmm. um and especially since we don't even have a kids shelter right now right, right. so um that has just been about compiling lists of resources that we can direct people to. So like if my phone rings right now and somebody's like, hey, I'm, I'm 40, I'm looking for a bed, I don't know what to do, I can say, listen, I don't have anything for you, but you can call this number, Yeah. right? Like, okay. So that's that's kind of where Well, that makes that sense. Is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the goal is that, that age bracket that we were just talking about a few minutes mm -hmm. ago, it's here, and if you fall out of that, obviously if you've been a part of the program, I'm sure that's a little bit different. Right, but we definitely stick with the kiddos who have been with us for a long time, but yeah, yeah if if an adult calls or if somebody has a parent that they are needing help for or something like that, then yeah. that is where we redirect them. But again, mm -hmm. it is really cool that we still have partnerships with all these different groups and we are able to still bridge those gaps, gotcha. you know? Yeah. Cool. And how, uh, when you got, when you were a part of this organization or when you found out that the opportunity might be there, you know, you're, you have, your mom, your dad, your sister, how did your family react to that? Were they excited because they knew about it from college or were they kind of like, is this what you want to do with your degree? What is the, what was the reaction there? Cause 
I know that you have, and I shouldn't say I know, but from what I have seen, your family is amazing. Um, but you always kind of, you know, in whatever situation it might be, sometimes you get a little bit more buy-in, you get a little less buy-in. What were, what did they think about your decision on that? Um, they've been really, really supportive. Awesome. Um, they, I think it made them a little bit uneasy whenever I was graduating college and didn't have a plan yet. Um, yeah, because nobody's were, ever done that before. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, still always super supportive. Of course. But, I mean, I was saying at the time, like, hey, I'm going to spend the next eight years bartending. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me sleep on your couch if I can. Like, you know? um, so I think they were relieved whenever I found something that had a little bit more direction gotcha. to it um, yeah. or was a little bit more in line with what I want to do, I guess. Gotcha. Um, and obviously they had heard me talk about Halo for years. They both liked it on Facebook several years ago whenever yeah. I started. So they've been following as much as I have, awesome. you know. Um, so, yeah, they've been really supportive and helpful. And even my dad is coming down tomorrow to um, buy dinner for the workshop that I'm hosting tomorrow night. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Just, That's awesome. Yeah, they help out where they can. Gotcha. But, yeah. So where where exactly do, do they still live where you guys grew up? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Way where was that? Way Cameron. Up Cameron? Yeah. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was a little south of Cameron. We have some friends that we meet with like once or twice a year, and we have to pick a middle location, and it's always Liberty. And it's still so far on our side, it's oh, not yeah. even funny. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I knew that you guys grew up there. It was just I couldn't remember exactly what city it was up north. I knew it was way past Liberty, but so Cameron. Mm-hmm. So what was what high school did you go to? Cameron right. High School. It was Cameron High School? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember, and I might be getting this mixed up with another story, but I remember your mom telling me that, like, maybe you went to one high school and your sister went to mm-hmm. another because I don't know if it was a focus or just a choice or whatever it was. We grew up um, in a town that is small enough that it's technically called a township, I believe, mm-hmm. um, called Myrable. And Myrable obviously doesn't have its own high school. Yep. So you can go through, you can go preschool through eighth grade there. Gotcha. And then kind of choose between the four high schools in the area, which are oh. Cameron, Hamilton, Polo, and Lathrop. Gotcha. Um, and I went to Cameron because I wanted to focus more on music and theater. Mm-hmm. And those are programs that Cameron had. Nice. And Emma was more interested in being um, like a cheerleader and a basketball player. Gotcha. And she thought that she would have an easier time doing that at a smaller school. Gotcha. So that's why she went to Polo. Oh, okay. But yeah. Nice. I think even though I went to the quote unquote bigger school, I still graduated in a class of maybe 100. Oh, okay. So gotcha. yeah, we both got a really, really small town experience for that. I didn't realize you, you were in music and theater. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Were you in plays then? Mm-hmm. When you were I there? did. We did a musical every fall and a play every spring. And gotcha. All eight. All of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Show yeah. choir, too. Oh, show choir? Yeah. <laughs> I We did that. Oh, God, that was not a good experience. So we, um, it was me and my buddy who was a football player who, I don't, we both have two left feet. I might be a little bit more nimble on my feet, especially when I was in high school, but that's about it. But we had we tried to do that, and our music teacher was like, we want to get this started. It's a program that we're trying to focus on. And so we were like, we really respected her. So we are like, we'll try it. I think you're barking up the wrong tree with the two of us, though. And it was not. We were not very good at all. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was entertaining. But I, lo- I, I jacked up my shoulder permanently in eighth grade, and then it finally just went away. And my sophomore year I just had no throwing power so like my baseball career ended and my I had a director who was my freshman English teacher and he found that out and he was like do you want to go into theater I was like yeah why not so uh, yeah (laughs) it paid for my college education the first two years I got a theater scholarship to the community college that had like a 300 person seat uh, really nice theater 
And uh, I went there for two years and I was like, I've got to get out of here. I'm glad this is only a community college because as nice, like as, as much as I enjoyed Sedalia for two years, I think I was done after yeah. two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then went completely left brain and went into finance. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, what's the, I guess, you know, the mission statement being what it is, what's the future for Halo in Kansas City? You I talked about a couple of plans. Yeah, I would say the capital campaign is our main focus right now. Yeah. Um, so that'll end up being one building for the boys' home, one building for the girls' home, and one building that are that'll be like our office headquarters mm -hmm. um, and learning center space. Nice. So I think I'm hoping that we'll continue to maintain the partnerships with shelters that we have now, mm -hmm. and we can continue offer to offer those same services. Perfect. But we'll also have the chance to help a group of you know 48. Yeah. young men and women get back on their feet the way they need to, you know, help them get an education, help them get scholarships if they want it, you know, mm -hmm. like really try to get in and break that cycle of homelessness yeah. and continue to do that. Like, I really, I really do think that is what our focus is going to be Perfect. from here on out, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So if somebody wants to find out more about the Halo Foundation, how do they find that out? Um, so we have the website, mm -hmm. Halo, like H-A-L-O, mm -hmm. worldwide.org. Um, and you can find out pretty well everything there. You can email us if you have questions um, and even contact us if you'd like to come in for a tour or something. We do that a lot. We um, love to show people around the space, kind of show some of the art that our kids have done nice. and let people see the learning center and everything like that. Yeah. Um, we do have a volunteer orientation coming up, I believe, on July 29th. Okay. Um, and that information is also available on the website. Okay. I would say that because I think... It's an 80-20 ratio on how many of our hours put in our volunteer hours. And gotcha. we really, really rely on volunteers to be able to run a lot of our programming. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also like to ask that if somebody would like to get involved in more of like a donor mm -hmm. um, capacity, we generally prefer monthly like stand, like, um, I don't even know how to put it. We, If somebody wants to give $100, mm -hmm. we would almost prefer to have ten dollars a month for ten months mm -hmm. then the hundred dollars all at once yeah um and we call people who get involved in consistently donating we call that our halo tribe nice um and just things like that if we have like a set number of months when we can rely on a certain amount of money that really helps us to make and keep promises to the kids right um so if somebody wanted to get involved that is a really cool way to do it and it's a way that helps us out you can mm -hmm. even just do like five bucks a month but yeah. that sort of thing is really helpful yeah um or if you want to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. I think all of it is either the Halo Foundation or Halo Worldwide. Okay. Um, but if you just search the Halo Foundation, that's what you'll find on Facebook. Perfect. Um, and that links to everywhere else. Also, other helpful things, we have um, an Amazon wish list too. So if, and mm -hmm. sorry, we have an Amazon wish list and we have Meal Train. So okay. if somebody wanted to get involved in more of like a like a physical goods capacity, yeah. we have a lot of workshops that we try to offer snacks or meals and people can sign up to bring that in or um, just like a list of ongoing needs on our Amazon wish list. Yeah. Um, and any of that always really helps us out, too. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything I didn't hit? Not sure. Um, <laughs> I think. I hope I've done an okay job of explaining exactly what halo is because i don't know it's, it's a so. little bit hard to kind of concisely gather it up but yeah well there's a lot i mean like i like i said it's it you guys have a lot of areas of focus but when mm -hmm. you get 
into that area, you are focused on it. Right, so, right. I mean, it sounds like an organization that could just continue to, one, it could continue to grow in, in its capacity, mm-hmm. but it can also kind of continue to just grab more and more things to be able to help kids. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, an organization that's around for 10 or 15 years is fantastic. But if you're all of a sudden around for 40, then you know more and more areas where there are needs. And as long as you can mm-hmm. get that consistent funding, you can get to them. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. That consistent, um, the private donor funding really does help us out. It's really nice yeah. to, um, I don't know, I think there are a lot of, you know, red lines and constrictions, I guess, on if you are operating within a school district or yeah. um, et cetera, that sort of thing. And mm. it really does, having the private donors really does open us up to a whole lot of other ways to help kids. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah it's really cool. But I think really most of what we're doing is trying to focus on providing housing through our housing programs, um, but also, you know, the family love that comes with housing. So yeah. we like to say we don't just give you a bed to sleep in, but teach you to make it in the morning, yeah, you know, that that's sort awesome. of thing. Yeah. Um, and then our healing, a lot of that's through our art therapy. We kind mm-hmm. of try to give kids an, a way to put the past down on paper mm-hmm. in a way that will open them up to the future, right? And yeah. also, again, be going over those life skills as we're doing it. So that's always really inspiring to see. Yeah. And then the education piece of it, we are focusing now, especially I'm trying to bring in more that is strictly educational, mm-hmm. um, not even necessarily in terms of what's being taught in high schools, but again, those things that your family teaches you that yeah. often might slip through. So I think... Mm-hmm. We have woodworking sometimes and then the sewing and just yeah. little life skills like that or um, education on health and hygiene, that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. So um, really those three pillars, I think, are the best way to talk about Halo. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah well, it's awesome. I, I just I, I really do like the focus on because I I like what the way that you put it about, you know, having to deal with a red line or red tape when you're talking about dealing with a school district, you're always going to have rules and they're probably going to change constantly depending on who's in charge that year. Mm-hmm. With a private organization, you're able to one, actually, you know, kind of get down and past those lines. But I think that becomes very, very important on that last subject you just talked about, which was the things that you don't know. I mean, the, those life skills are so important. I mean, I always get inspired when I see like a gym teacher take the kids out to the, to his car and teach them how to change a tire. Because nobody might have taught you that. And especially if you're in some of the situations that you've had. I mean, I didn't even think about it, but some of the, you know, hygiene issues are probably things that they just have no clue. And Mm -hmm. probably in a lot of scenarios, I assume, probably are very uncomfortable asking anybody else. But when you bring that to them and say, what do you want to know? Mm -hmm. Or here are the things that you probably should. That's a very important thing, especially for a kid that's just, I mean, shy, embarrassed, whatever the case might be. Right. It really does give us the opportunity to kind of build those relationships and then also tailor what we're doing to the individual's needs, too. Like, again, like if we're talking about school districts, you always have the curriculum and the standardization of everything like that. Like with Halo, we really do. I mean, it's almost an overwhelming amount of freedom because we really can do whatever we need to to help the kids that are in front of us. That's perfect. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Oh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we were talking about hygiene. And another thing that's really cool about our workshops Mm -hmm. is we often provide power packs so if a kid comes in and says like i don't have a backpack for school yeah then we can give him a backpack and we all always keep this supply closet full of shampoo conditioner toothpaste mm-hmm. hygiene products you know that yeah. sort of thing um and lately i've been doing more of 
letting kids like take a bag and just saying okay go get what you need you yeah. know that way like there's nobody watching there's nobody yeah none of that sort of thing they can just kind of take what they feel like they want and mm-hmm. yeah that that has been really that's nice too i hope that is helping yeah but, that's yeah. fantastic and, and again like it's just being around that situation every day to know like i just need to let you alone to to grab what you need right. i'll provide you the education on what that stuff is but once you are in this situation like mm-hmm. you take it because yeah. that way they don't have to be embarrassed that they don't have shampoo or they don't have toothpaste right. or something like that right yeah. and i always i give them my card because also our kids don't have to be in shelter to be eligible for our services like gotcha. to us as soon as a kid has if they are coming through our doors with a shelter mm-hmm. that makes them eligible for our services forever gotcha. so i always like to give them my card and say listen even after you leave restart regardless of the reason mm-hmm. you call me or email me or whatever anytime and i can give you this step again like next time you need toothpaste next time you need diapers next time you need toilet paper like yeah call me let me help you mm-hmm. save your freaking money like yeah exactly you know, that kind of stuff so yeah. that that part has been cool too yeah that stuff's always going to be in the closet whether right. it's you that takes it or somebody else right, you so need to like, take advantage of it. Come get it yeah absolutely <laughs> Awesome. Well, unless you've got something else you want to talk about. I don't think so. Awesome. Well, if you ever think of it, just tell me that you want to come back on and we'll go through the whole microphone issue again and we'll tr- I'll trip over myself as much as I possibly can. That sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's great.